Hello, podcast listeners, and welcome to the latest edition of Pregnancy Help Podcast. Super excited to be welcoming Bree, who is internal to the Heartbeat family and really focuses on the techie side of things. So Bree, super glad that you agreed to do this and just kind of talking to our housing community about some of the dynamics related to internet searches and those type of things. So can you just give a sense of what your role is in Heartbeat and kind of your, your connection to this? Absolutely. Uh, So I'm the Senior Director of Ministry Solutions, and a ministry solution is really just kind of like a business solution, but sort of specific to ministries. And a big part of that, and my job at Heartbeat for a long time has involved working with OptionLine and um, probably most relevant to this, helping generate calls or contacts to OptionLine. And so to do that, a lot of what we do are either advertising on the internet or trying to optimize our website so that we can uh, appear organically high enough that when women are looking for help, Option Line is always there kind of waiting for them in a place that they can find us. Well, we're really excited about that. And I know specifically we're going to be talking about some of the internet-based um, um, things, but I know there's a great software product and there's, um, you know, our connection to Option Line is a great part of your, your heading. So uh, if folks want to talk about any of those, can definitely look you up. Yeah. So let's dig in a little bit. We're trying to think about potential residents, residents who are searching for housing and how we can kind of get to know them better. I know you're you're kind of up to date with all the things that happen behind the scenes with analytics. Can you just tell us a little bit about how you think about analytics as it relates to potential clients? Absolutely. So one way that we have learned to do this is because it's important if you have a website to make sure that your website is reaching the right people. If you have a website and you're getting lots of hits on there, but you're not getting very many contacts, the first thing that you would go in is look at your analytics and see like, um, so for example, for option line, if I looked and 50% of the people coming to our website were men and 50% were women, I would know that there was something wrong with my website because option line is really geared toward and sort of specific to pregnancy help. And almost all of that is going to be women, not all of it. If it was 0% men, that would also be a problem. But for the most part, we're trying to appeal to women. So when I look at my analytics, what I want to see is that at least a big portion of the people coming are women. And it would be, I believe, the same for housing. If you know who your clients are, then the first thing you would want to check in analytics is like, are my analytics already reaching the right people? And then it's, okay, how can I refine that? Because uh, nobody knows more about your clients than you do. So when you are looking through there, if things don't ping correctly, you might want to make some changes. But also it can expand your idea of who your audience is. Uh, so maybe you have always thought like, oh, you know, we really focus toward 18 to 24 year olds or 24 to 35 year olds. But when you look and you see who's actually looking for help and who's actually finding you, you know, if it was a little different than what you thought, it might expand your reasoning. Um, So yeah, there are some specifics that I would share that I always think if you have Google Analytics. So first, I guess I'll just take a quick step back because I want to make sure we're all on the same page. So if you have a website, you can sign up for Google Analytics for free. And what they have you do is then put a snippet of code on all of the pages on your website. And then when you log into Google Analytics, you can see a ton of information, both about 
the people who use it, not specific, so not names, you wouldn't know exactly who someone was, uh, but you can see a big picture of who's using it. And you can also see when they're using it, and then you can see how they're using it. So all of those things combined would give you a great picture of the type of people who are looking for pregnancy, or sorry, I, I say pregnancy help automatically, but looking for pregnancy housing uh, or any of the other services that you offer, because I know that you've got a broad range of services. Uh, so to begin, and Mary, is it okay if I just launch into this? Yeah, sure. Okay. Can you just maybe mention um, to put that snippet of code onto every website? Is that something that you need a web designer person to do? Is that something with a little savvy you can do? Uh, um, it kind of depends on your level of comfort. It is very easy. Like literally they and they give you directions. So it says copy this chunk of code and then the chunk of code is right there. And then you can put it basically anywhere within the pages code like it doesn't have to go i i do believe it has to go maybe after like the first couple lines but they very specifically tell you where to put it so if you're somebody who has kind of any experience with the actual code of your website it's super easy to copy and paste in but if you don't if you don't have access to that part then yeah you should definitely just send your web developer the snippet and say i want this added and Anybody who has ever made a website is going to know what Google Analytics is and what the code looks like. Um, it's so common. I would say that I, I don't know that I've ever run across a group um, that had like a professional website done that didn't ha already have it on there. Uh, so that's another thing. You may have it and not even know. Before you even try and sign up and get the code, you may just want to ask, hey, have you already included uh, Google Analytics on our website? Oh, super, super great. Yeah. So that takes away some of the fear. I think the fear element that some folks might have, but you said you were going to launch. Do you, did you have other things that jumped to mind? Oh, nope. I'm, I'm happy to walk through what it would look like and, and the things that I think at least we have found for other pregnancy groups uh, or pregnancy help groups that the type of audience information they look for. Okay. Yeah. Let's hear that. So um, the first one would be when you go, when you sign into Google Analytics, then on the left-hand side, there are a lot of selections. There's one called Real Time, which would let you see anything that's happening on your website right at that moment. And then Audience, which is going to be the most important one for what we talk about today. And then Acquisition and Behavior. And so under Audience, you have a lot of choices, but they're set up to be very intuitive and you can't break anything by clicking around in here. I think that's something important for people to know is like, no matter what you click on on this, it doesn't make a change on your website. So um, you can explore as much as you want. Uh, but the first one that it gives you is just the demographics. And that will show you two sets of things, the ages and the genders. Um, and again, there are a couple reasons that you might check this, but I would say probably the biggest reason would be to make sure that the website that you've created and the marketing that you're doing that gets people to your website are getting the people of the expected age. So um, I've seen this for a pregnancy center. The, the most people who had visited their website in a month were the 55 to 64 category, which just kind of blew their minds at first, but what had happened is they had sent out an email to their donors that directed people to go to the website. 
And so for that month, you know, it, it looked totally off because a lot of their donors were in that age range. Um, it was really good that they were able to see that because it kind of tipped them off to like, oh, this is something because they had contacted us to ask, why would this, why would it look like this? Um, but yeah, so when you go in to look at the ages, I will tell you anybody under 18 uh, shows up as an unknown or doesn't get counted, Google won't give information about people who are under 18. But if you know that most of your clients or the clients that you're looking for are between, you know, 18 and 24, 25 to 34 or 35 to 44, um, then you could make sure that that is, is what's reflected there, that the biggest percentages are those ages. And then gender, again, you want to make sure that your website is targeting the people that you're trying to appeal to. So you can uh, double check those things. The next thing that's down under demographics, I think is really interesting. It's called interests. And what it will show you is all of the things that women who are the most likely or the women who are coming to your website, what other things are they most interested in? They're called affinity categories. Um, and so it kind of is like, okay, well, what other things do these, uh, what are these people looking for? And the reason that I think that's important is one, when you're doing advertising or you are trying to think of services. Um, so for, I'll give an example for option line, the biggest affinity category that there is, is actually housing, not pregnancy specific housing, but rentals, uh, Really, it's just looking for rentals is the thing um, that shows up the most often. So real estate, rental properties. So that if you saw that, then you would know like, okay, the people who are coming to our website also have big housing concerns. Another one that people look at all the time are employment or uh, education, post-secondary education. And so again, like that not only tells us uh, like that we're probably aiming for the right groups or that the right groups are coming, but also if so say a center was looking at their information or you're looking at your information and you can see that most of the people who come to your website are also interested in education or post-secondary education. You know, that might say that if you don't have a service that has to do with that, you could really better serve the women who are looking for your kind of help by adding uh, that kind of service, which I think is really cool because we have definitely had some eye-opening experiences by looking through this, although probably the funniest one was that dating apps were like the number one <laughs> for the people who are coming to option line. And I suppose that's not a surprise, but it was definitely like, a okay, we are absolutely grabbing the right group here. Uh, because these are people who are out there and they are trying, you know, looking for relationships, looking for love. Um, and unfortunately, that also often ends people up in the bucket of women who are looking for pregnancy help. Um, another important one that I think can be really helpful for a lot of reasons are the, ge uh, the geography one, or they just call it geo. And it's below interests. And what that will show you is the primary language of the people who are coming to your website. Um, so obviously, like if you are located in the States, then English is going to be high. But I'll give you an example. So here, and I live in Columbus, Ohio. Um, and if you narrow it down to just the Columbus area, you'll actually see that a lot of people's primary language is Somalian. Um, 
And so if you, you know, that might be something you've already seen reflected in your clients, but if that's a portion of the language or a portion of the culture or the people who are located with you, that might be a whole group that you aren't reaching. Um, So it's helpful to look at and see what languages people speak that are coming to your website. Um, And then another right below language is location. If you are doing any advertising at all on the internet, so like if you were doing Google ads, location is an important thing to keep an eye on because you want to make sure that you haven't made a mistake with your ads and you're running them worldwide when you really only serve maybe California. Uh, So that would be a reason why it would be good to look at to check yourself. But another reason would be I'm from a small town in Southern Ohio and the pregnancy center there they focus mostly on the county that they're in, which makes perfect sense. But it's the we also have the only Walmart within like 60 miles. And so a lot of people come from other counties when, you know, when you grow up in a really rural area, a Walmart is important and they have uh, they have a big draw from that. But if you look at the women who are looking for pregnancy help and going to their website, you'll see that those similar counties often the closest thing to them, the closest pregnancy help to them would be in Jackson, uh, which is the county. So if you were doing that for your center and you went in and looked at your geographics, you might, it might open you up to, you know, if you live in a metro area, it might open you up to a set of clients that you weren't sure about, or you didn't know that women there were looking for your help. And something that you could do about that. So say that you lived in Columbus um, and you're located on the east side and you see that there are a lot of uh, women on the west side who were looking for help, but they might not be coming to you because you're over on the east side. One of the easiest things in the world to do to fix that is to just look up the bus routes ahead of time and post them on your website. That way, when a woman is already on there, she can see, oh, okay, and she doesn't you remove those obstacles from her. And I know it's a little different for you because it's uh, probably starts with more phone calls than just drop-ins, but it's the same concept. If you can, if you see that you have women from a different area looking at you or a different part of your state, uh, having some verbiage on your website that would either uh, really highlight that you help someone get to you, that um you might be able to help with transportation or even specific to that area, I think is a great way to encourage more people, uh, more of the people who are already looking at you uh, to contact you. Yeah, that sounds like one example of the refinement, right? You mentioned if you're not getting the demographics you want, you need to go back and refine your website. Can you give us some other senses of, okay, I've looked at my analytics and I'm not hitting the people I want to reach, what are some of the ways in which you might go back and revisit your website? Oh, perfect. So uh, I'll use the women and men one first, because uh, if most of your clients are women or almost all of your clients are women, but you're seeing that like 50% of the people who are coming to your website are men, I would look at the content of my website to try and figure out, okay, well, what is it that's bringing a group of people in who really are a little off base for us. Uh, So in that case, your stuff might just not be women centered enough. Um, And the way that you fix that, we'll talk about search, search terms later. But if you sort of optimize your content toward the things that people are searching, and you know, like, very seldom are men searching for, um, 
Uh, well, I mean, honestly, I doubt that very often men are searching for emergency pregnancy housing or something similar to that. Um, because they're not pregnant. So they're not the ones looking for it. So if you really um, make sure that the content on your website matches the things that people are searching for to get to you, then uh, you will kind of automatically, you'll start to see that fix. Another thing would be if you um, like women-centered language or women-centering language, would be if the if you added something that said like my story if you have examples or you have testimonials from people who have been there that can be a really powerful way that that appeals to the demographic that you're looking at because you're using the words that are sort of specific to their stories if that makes sense yeah absolutely i do i could tell you a wealth of information here and I, but i do want to hit on a few other things uh, but just as a follow-up question or statement, so I know Heartbeat takes the approach of having a client-facing website and a donor-facing website, and it's probably for these issues, right? It's it's so that you can really target your key demographic kind of on the back end of things. Maybe just make a statement about that. I know that's a big thing that Heartbeat suggests. Absolutely. So there are two reasons, and you uh, got the first one right away. Uh, when you try to do mixed messaging on one website, a lot of times, instead of that ca casting a broader net for you, what you do is really limit your net. Um, and so because uh, when you do that, it it makes you look like uh, you might do a lot of different things, but you're not focused on any one thing. And the best way to organically show up on Google is to really have your areas of focus be highlight highlighted and um using keywords that are very specific to that. So when you try and mix donors and your clients, uh, that that kind of gets all jumbled. And then when you're trying to fix something, it becomes almost impossible to try and track a way to fix it. Because if you, so, you know, half your donors are probably men or hopefully half your donors are, are men. And so if you were having them all come in, then when you look, you might miss that, like, hey, our stuff is really not reaching the people that we needed to reach. And again, you might run into that with the ages. Uh, you might run into that with the behaviors or the things that they're interested in. Um, so, yeah, that that's one of the reasons. And then the other reason would just be that... Um, we have some of the research on this is anecdotal and some of it you can definitely see when you start looking and digging through the analytics. But it would be that there's a lot of things that might turn off a person who was looking from help from getting help from you. Uh, you know, a woman might feel really uncomfortable if she sees a streaming prayer list running down the left hand side, particularly like you might not even be, in, be naming names. But if you say any kind of things about the person's situation, uh, on the on your help client site, uh, that can just be a real turnoff because people uh, don't want to, they might need to end up on prayer lists. And after they've talked to you and seen your heart, hopefully they would be really open to that. Uh, but as a first impression to a person looking for help, that might not be what you wanted to, them to see first. Another thing is like calls for volunteers. Like when you are, uh, sorry, when I say call for volunteer, I mean like invitation to volunteer. And you sound like you are uh, just trying to recruit right there on the page where people are looking for help. That can also be a big turnoff. Um, 
just uh, from both experience and from seeing centers who had one website who had combinations and we could see what their metrics were. And then when they split to two, uh, we would do a comparison and every single time they would appear better organically. Uh, they would have people staying on their website longer, like all of the different things that you would measure. Uh, we would see increases in almost every area. So that's why we really say that just from a trying to help someone find help point of view, uh, it's better if you separate those things. Yeah, awesome. Let's segue into search terms, um, if that's okay, just to, yeah. to speculate a little bit about kind of the housing-related search terms and how that kind of fits into what you're talking about with analytics. Yeah. So first of all, if you are, this seems counterintuitive because search is usually sort of an organic thing that people are doing on Google.com, but really the best way that you can get information about what people are searching for that get them to you is to be running ads. Because what you'll see is then all of the different words that trigger your ads that come up. Um, but I think something that people, uh, a mistake that people often make is feeling like, oh, I don't want to get too specific um, or I don't want to use too many words. So they might just use pregnant housing or pregnancy housing, either as uh, words that they're search terms that they're using in their Google ads or words that they're focusing on on their website. Uh, but a big change that has happened in the internet in the last 10 years would be that so many more people are using their phones to find help um, or to just using their phones to browse the internet. If we look at OptionLine or a few of the other big websites that I have access to their analytics, it's generally between 90 and 95% of everybody who comes to those websites are using their phone. And a habit that people who have been using their phone get into is to really focus on the full question, not just, so it's not just uh, pregnancy housing help or uh Mary, what did you tell me earlier was the one that you... I think pregnant that, and homeless, I hear, with some regularity. Yeah, exactly. Um, so you could take, like, pregnant and homeless, but then try and put it into, like, basically full questions as your search term. Um, so pregnant and homeless, what do I do? Like, I, it sounds crazy, but when we started adding in more of those full questions... We saw a big increase both in the number of people who were coming to our website, but also in the ways that they were interacting with our website. Uh, so another example would, of that would not just be to like put pregnancy housing Columbus, Ohio, but try and put in sort of the full sentence of where can I find pregnancy housing or I'm homeless and pregnant in Columbus, like trying to do, use things more in phrases instead of just like a word here or there. Um, Google had was the one who started recommending that first because they say those broad keywords just don't aren't as effective at getting the right audience to you. Um, but I would also say just like when I was talking about a testimonial that you might post on your website, a way, probably the best way that we've been able to find search terms was to look through the emails or the chats that we have done with women. Um, because as you do that, they're super content rich because they're the people who are actually looking for this help. 
Um, so as you see the questions that they're asking you or the words that they're using as they're talking to you, I would say that that is the number one best way that you can find um, new words. And the second best way would be to go into your analytics if you're running ads and there's a section called Google Ads and then there's a section called Search Queries and it will show you um, every single thing for any given time period that somebody searched that triggered your ad. And so um, like, right now I'm looking at a list of a thousand um, but I'll just read like a couple of them. So abortion clinics near me and prices, how to get rid of a pregnancy, how much is an abortion, how to stop pregnancy after one week naturally. Like these are things that uh, have very high conversion rates because we're not just using one or two words from that, like stop pregnancy. What we're doing is trying, we could try and focus a section on like that whole um, how to stop pregnancy after one week naturally, because that's what people are typing in. Believe it or not, 24 people in the last week have typed that in exactly that way. Um, and so, yeah, if you can go in and look at your analytics, um, to me, it just it blows my mind that so many women might type the exact same phrases, but we can see that when we are able to kind of match those phrases, uh, that really is much more likely to convert to not just somebody who comes to our website, but who ends up contacting us. This is a bit of an on the fly question, Brie, but so I think housing has traditionally thought um, that its main referrals are other organizations, right? It's homeless shelters or it's pregnancy centers that are sending women to the homes and maybe haven't done a lot of direct outreach to women themselves. Uh -huh. um, kind of maybe they thought that um, they don't have access or, you know, I'm not sure why, but, but that has been the traditional idea. And I'd say right now there's more talk in our housing world about actually how do we, how do we market directly to the women who need us? Not, not to the referring organization. Um, any thoughts just as, as, homes start to think about that in a different way, kind of initial ideas that come to mind as we make that transition from organization-based referrals to like direct service referrals? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I, even though we have definitely had struggles with Google and Google ads, um, the last time that I looked, so when, when you look at only the demographics of women and then between 18 and 35, I believe, or the section of women that I was looking at, um, Google had, it was 92, I think it was about 92% of the market share in where those women go for help. That is the browser that they're using. And so there's really no better way to reach them than to have an ad there because it's like, it's like instead of putting up a billboard, you're putting up a billboard that is at the very top of exactly where they are looking for help. Um, and the number of people who have phones particularly young people who have phones, who have internet access through their phones, is almost all of them. Um, even people, uh, because there are a lot of programs that could help you get a phone, um, or Walmart has like Cricket phones that you can pay, you know, I think it's like $20 a month and you can pay and you have a certain amount of data that you can use on that. So a lot of people are able to get on there. And when they want help, 
Google is where they go. And so if you can't show up organically because, um, you know, you, you either haven't put in the work or it's just not something that is going to be possible for you. Um, and a reason that it might not be possible is just because there's a lot of competition for all of this stuff. But if you couldn't get there, then having an ad you can put you at the top of that search. Uh, so I just did a, I did one for homeless and pregnant. Um, and I found, and this is an adoption group who has put this one up. Um, but immediately an ad came up and it says homeless shelter for women, pregnant, but this one says thinking adoption. And so in that case, uh, you know, if you weren't thinking adoption, you might not click on the specific one. Um, but I don't see much, I see competition for organically showing up, which would be just showing up in the listings, but it doesn't look like to me that there is a lot of competition for, uh, the words homeless and pregnant. Um, or words that are similar, the words that someone looking for help might be searching. So that would be the first place that I would go. Um, I know that there's a lot of talk about, oh, should we do social media advertising? We, in general, have found that social media advertising works great for raising community support or donors or raising awareness of a ministry. It does not usually work as well for getting clients because um, there's a big worry about privacy. Like, I don't know how often you use Facebook, but if you are on there, you probably see ads that say, your friend Dawn and your friend Sarah both love Disney um, because that's how Facebook works. And so then women are really hesitant to like click on or like things in social media when it's about something private like pregnancy. Um because they don't want it to like show up on everybody else's Facebook feed. So I think that that's a reason why I would veer more toward like the pay-per-click or the Google ads than I would social media if I was looking specifically for clients. Yeah, awesome. So I know just in kind of talking to you in other conversations that live chat has come to, to um, play a much more kind of center role um, in terms of how option line reaches women. Can you just tell us a little bit about live chat, the, what it is and how, what the role is that it's playing? Sure. So live chat for us, it sits on our website 24 seven and someone could use it to contact us in the same way that they would use a phone, except we would be chatting back and forth. That's different than texting. So when you're texting, it uses like your SMS program and it would, you know, show up in your texts. And we do that with women too. We will text them. But a chat program, especially if you get one that is optimized for phones, they don't have to uh, click. They don't have to install anything. They don't have to click anything else. Um, but it just pops up a little window on their phone and they can type to us and then we can type back to them. Um, and in the past, when women come to optionline.org, when they come to our website, uh, they're presented with multiple ways to communicate with us. There, Our text number is there. Our phone number is there. Chatting with us is there. And for, even just four years ago, about 70 to 75% of people who saw all of those options would choose to call. And now it's closer to 50%. And I really believe as the younger people uh, grow up into the age of our audience, 
they're going to be a lot more comfortable chatting with us than they are the phones. We can already see because we we collect demographic information that the average age of the person who chats with us is three or four years younger than the average age of somebody who might call us. Um, so as people kind of age out of the group who typically contacts us and new people age up into the group, um, I think that what we're going to see is a continued need to really promote our chat service. Uh, the other thing that chat offers women that phones don't is an ability to do that even if somebody else is in the room or somebody else is home. Uh, you might not, they might not want somebody to overhear their conversation, but when they're just chatting with you on their phone, it might just look like they're texting their friends. There's nothing that's out loud. Um, and so it's a service that we really see a lot of women utilizing. When you sign up to do a chat service online, uh, it you know you could look at a few different vendors, but uh, you don't have to be on it 24-7. If you're not on there, what they'll show is usually a message that and you include in your message your email address or your phone number and say, hey, our hours of chat are 9 to 3. But if you want a response within the next you know, however long you can email us, or if you want to speak to someone now, here's our phone number. So at least you uh, don't miss those chats. If somebody tries to chat with you, you can still get them the information that says, hey, we're here, we're just not chatting right now. Um, but bouncing back to like the analytics we talked about, you could, so say you only had a volunteer who could cover 20 chat hours a week. What you could do is go on your website and see, okay, when do most women come to our website looking for help. And then you could try and focus your chat on those hours. So for option line, like I said, we're 24 seven with the chat, but if, if for some reason I could only staff it half the time, I know that Monday through Friday, starting at about 4 p.m. to midnight are really the busiest times for our website. That's when the most women are on our website looking for help. Uh, so uh, that would be a way that you could use your analytics to get uh, to use your uh, volunteers in the best way that you could, because you would know what hours the most people were looking for help. I remember you just mentioned recently in a in a meeting too that um, what kind of a shift that you've seen in, in due to the pandemic is that those active hours are now later morning. Um, oh yeah. I so I guess I was just talking kind of like of our busiest busiest shifts, but something that has been really interesting is you know we have eighteen or well, I guess we have seventeen years worth of analytics for our website, um, and in seventeen years, every day the start of when like you could tell people were waking up and grabbing their phones and looking for us started at about uh, seven a.m. six or seven a.m. And it ended usually around 10 o'clock at night, like the, the busiest chunk. But since the COVID-19 stuff, uh, we saw a shift of a full two hours in the morning. So instead of that six, seven, it's not until like nine or 10 that we started to see that uptick. And I really think it's because people like fewer people were at their schools, fewer people were at work because there were a lot of people laid off. Um, and so people are just kind of getting up later. Uh, and so that when we saw that shift, what we did is we shifted the number of people who were answering our chats uh, away from those two morning hours that we had kind of lost the momentum on. And instead, 
added them to our later night hours because not only are people waking up later, but they are staying up later because they're on Netflix or they're, they don't have to wake up as early. So they're not going to bed at that sort of 10, 11 time. And yeah, so when you are able to see those things really in real time, uh, you can get a better idea of your clients or you can get a better idea about the people who are looking to become clients and then make changes accordingly. Yeah, awesome. Bree, I know you've done a bunch of trainings in the academy. If people wanted to kind of look and hear more from you, um, is that the the best place to look would be to to search the academy for some of yeah, your Yeah, absolutely. Um there's an there's one other uh thing that so I talk about uh, Google ads and Google analytics a lot. And I'm in the Academy multiple times. So you could definitely find me there or find one of the, th the sessions that I've done there and learn more about any of these subjects. Uh, there's also something called local search and heartbeat has an expert on that. His name is Tim Stevens. And he also does a few different Academy courses that are sitting in there that you could take. And local search would be how you would show up to local women. Um, the only thing is, I know a lot of housing, you might not use your specific address, you might be using a PO box, because you don't want you don't want people just anybody showing up at your house. Uh, and so in that case, it might not be as useful to you. But it is something that you might look into, because that's another way that uh, centers are looking or really any pregnancy help organization is looking to increase their numbers is through focusing on local search, focusing on Google ads, focusing on interpreting their own analytics, and then um, improving their website. And there are several academy courses on improving your website as well. Awesome. I know Option Line is a huge draw for our pregnancy centers answering calls and having a 24-hour hour you know, presence and those type of things. Um, you take housing calls as well, right? Can you just share a little bit about how Option Line um, might be an asset for housing organizations? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, probably one of the biggest assets is that we are 24-7. There's always a live voice there. So when someone uh, advertises our number, usually what they do is they put their own number on there, but then they also put like for 24-7 support, you can also call and then they list option lines number. So option line is always there. And then as long as you are an affiliate of, and Mary, you may need to help me with this part because I know that there's like a connection here, but as long as Heartbeat has your information, um, then yeah, you will the, most, okay. Co-affiliated with Heartbeat and the NMHC. So there's joint yeah. affiliation. So by affiliating with yeah, one, you're so affiliated you, with both. Yeah. So what you can do to see if you're listed is go to optionline.org. And then at the top, there's a place where you can type in your zip code. So then type in your zip code and see if you show up. If you don't show up, then you can contact OptionLine. Um, and it's actually, it's info at optionline.org. And if you just email them and say, hey, I'm a Heartbeat affiliate and I'm not on here. Could you have me added? Then you... Uh, it's a pretty quick process. You'll be added. And then when somebody is either looking for help themselves on optionline.org or an option line consultant has gotten a call from a woman who is pregnant and looking for housing, when she's looking in her area, you'll show up. It shows the 10 closest to any given location. So 
um, actually it might be, yeah, it's 20 closest. It'll show a lot. So even if you didn't show up first or second on that list for a woman, because say maybe she was a little further from you, if she's asking specifically for housing, then we wouldn't give her maybe the top two because we will look further down the list to see, okay, are there any housing options for her? But yeah, so check your information or check to make sure that you're there. If your information was incorrect, you can contact Heartbeat and have your information corrected. Um, and then we'll get you on the listing because uh, even when we do some, we do a lot of advertising and other groups do advertising for option line as well. But often in our conversations with those women, as you know, she's got multiple problems. Like she might be uh, looking for options information, but the reason she's looking for options information is because she is going to get kicked out of her house if she's pregnant. And so that is a time then we would try and highlight that there's still help available to her and go looking for housing for her uh, within our listings. So yeah, we would love to have make sure that all of you are on there. See, Bree, it's very obvious that you're very good at what you do. So thank you for making it so accessible to us and sharing some kind of off-the-cuff ideas about, you know, your area of expertise and how it relates to housing. Super grateful, super insightful, um, and just, yeah, very grateful for your time. So thanks for jumping in. Um, and yeah, any closing ideas? Um. You know, honestly, I think that the main thing that I would say is that sometimes people feel like this isn't approachable. I I try to make it sound easy because it's really not that hard to look in here and, and poke around. You can't break anything. Um, but I would just encourage you to try, even if it's not in your comfort zone. Uh, just uh, give it a chance. And I think that you would be surprised at how easy it really is to navigate through all that stuff. And then... Um, use what you do see to your benefit and really help more women find you. Awesome. Check out more from Brie in the Heartbeat Academy. Uh, and thank you so much for joining us on this edition of Pregnancy Help Podcast. Super grateful. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Pregnancy Help Podcast. To subscribe to future episodes, access resources related to today's session, or listen to previous episodes, visit www.heartbeatinternational.org slash podcast. Thanks for tuning in.